Welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast, Supplier Voice Edition, sponsored by Crunch Franchise. Crunch Franchise is a gym that believes in making serious exercise fun by fusing fitness and entertainment and pioneering a philosophy of no judgments. Welcome to the Club Solutions podcast. My name is Rico Francis, president and co-founder of Peak Media and Club Solutions. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Ben Midgley, CEO and founding partner of Crunch Franchising. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks you for having me. Yeah, very excited about this one. Uh, our purpose today is to learn more about uh, you, your history, the history of Crunch Franchising, and um, uh, frankly, to get your advice for our listeners who are all um, health club operators. Um, so with that in mind, let's just dive into the, to some questions. Um, first, tell us about your personal background, where you grew up, um, maybe some of your early interests, and basically how you got to where you are today. Okay, I'm going to try, try and sum this one up as best I can, Rico, because I've, I've been around a while. We were, we were talking earlier, and thank goodness this is a podcast because I'm starting to show a lot of gray nowadays. <laughs> but uh, uh, I've been in the industry for probably 31 years now. You know, I can still remember my first Ursus show walking around, just being a young kid, green in the industry, not knowing anybody, not knowing where to go, what sessions to attend, how to meet people, just literally walking around the trade shows by myself. And, um, you know, 30 years later, uh, here we are. But uh, I got into the industry because I was literally in just terrible physical shape. I took a gap year after high school and I went to work at a ski resort smoking cigarettes, having fun, doing all the stuff teenagers do, making bad decisions. And then I looked at myself in the mirror one day and I said, my gosh, you look terrible. And uh, just started running up and down the mountains in the terrible weather to try to get healthy, get that smoke out of my lungs. And that led me to, you know, finding an interest in fitness and then trying to get a job in the industry. And then eventually uh, I went to school. I started to go to college out in Santa Barbara, California at a community college, and, which is a beautiful place. Santa Barbara is a hard place to go to school. It's right on the beach. Yeah. And uh, I started cleaning machines in exchange for a membership at a Gold's Gym. And that was my start in the industry. And I did that for probably a year and a half and then eventually got a front desk job and then, you know, moved to personal training. And then I moved back to Maine and I worked through all these different levels of, of the, the industry. Then I got uh, personal salesperson of the year way back in I think it was 96, mm. got me doing the speaking circuit in Ursa and writing articles for the magazines, took a chance, moved out to California, worked for 24 Hour Fitness. I got recruited by a guy named Craig Pepinanon, who's a partner in the business here. And that's where I met uh, Jim Rowley, Mark Masteroff, two of our partners today, uh, some of the smartest guys in the industry. We've worked together for a very long time. And um, and I left 24 after about 10 years, became the president of Planet Fitness uh, because it's in New Hampshire and it was close to my home. I'm from Maine. Uh, our office is actually in New Hampshire now, but I still live in Maine and uh, stayed with Planet for a few years and then uh, left that, took a little time off, reunited with uh, Craig, Jim and Mark and started the franchising uh, company with the Crunch brand, which they had Mark and Jim had bought into. And uh, since then, we got up to about 1,200 or 1,300 franchises sold. And we're at about, if you include our signature locations, 380 clubs open. Um, 
we weathered the pandemic pretty well. Our membership actually increased during the pandemic. We may be oh. one of, if not the only company that grew. Um, and then, um, you know, we're shooting for about 50 to 70 clubs this year and hope to get back on pace for 100 club openings a year uh, going forward after this year. Very good. I want to come back to uh, the fact that your membership increased during COVID. That's that's amazing. Um, let's just let's just dive into crunch and um, talk about some of the distinctives. I mean, you guys are obviously a great brand, great company. Talk about some of the distinctives that have made you successful. Well, um, I think. You know, being in the industry for 30 years helps you learn a lot of what not to do right along the way. Um, we, we have a really good culture here. We've got a very open um, executive team. You know, nobody really makes decisions in a bubble. Uh, it's very collaborative, which is which is very beneficial because you have a lot of people who can poke holes in the things that maybe you think are you know the right way to go and uh when you get uh, more minds focused on the solutions that usually works out best uh and then everybody really runs their departments and, and takes their responsibilities very seriously so we've got a, a really great team of leaders uh all the way down to the clubs and uh, everyone's trusted to do their job to execute properly and professionally and uh, we give everybody the latitude to do that. We just sort of course correct. We don't believe in micromanagement. We don't believe in you know, taking someone's responsibilities away from them because they're not doing it perfectly. It needs to be done perfectly. Everybody learns the job along the way. Uh, I think we've got a culture that is always striving to get better. Uh, I also think we're a culture, since we're a franchise culture, or a company, I should say, that recognizes uh, even if you're the franchisor, you don't know everything, right? The industry changes, things modify. A lot of your best ideas come from your franchisees. So you've got to have an aspect of humbleness and uh, open-mindedness that you're willing to take ideas from anybody, anywhere, uh, from the bottom up or, you know, or the top down and distill those ideas out, try them out, make sure they work, you know, proof positive, and then you roll them out to the, to the broader network. But um, you know, we, we're very collaborative both internally and with our franchisees and I think that open-mindedness has probably been the biggest you know benefit to us uh, to attract more franchisees and to grow and uh, it's just it's a good culture uh, you know we benefit if franchisees benefit they benefit if we benefit and um, sometimes you have disagreements but if you have a nice strong relationship with your franchisees you get past it and you move forward right well you describe um crunch as a franchisee company. Can you talk more about, you know, because we've got obviously operators listening. So I'm sure we've got um, some people who are thinking about potential franchise opportunities. Can you talk more about the crunch uh, franchisee opportunity and um, why that may be different or better from some other brand? Yeah, well, we've been franchising now for about 11 years. I think this will be our 12th year in July this year. So, you know, we're, we're a mid-tier franchise company, I guess, in terms of our uh, evolution and growth. You can't say we're new and we're just, you know, we're just hitting the ground running, but we haven't been around for 30 years on the franchising standpoint. So uh, we've gone through a lot of evolutions in terms of our business model, making sure our pricing is, is right, our, our membership structures, our program offerings, our, our proprietary group fitness, our hit zone, right? The relax and recover area. We're constantly sort of working with the model to 
evolve it with what consumers want and what is a uh, profitable outcome for the franchisees. Uh, additionally, we, we spend a tremendous amount of time documenting our systems, uh, you know, inspecting the systems, improving the systems, because in franchising, I think the ultimate goal is you could take someone who ends up being a bad operator, but they're still going to get average results because the system is so supportive of what they're trying to do. Now, in any franchise company, whether you're McDonald's or you know a small or Jiffy Lube or Crunch, you're going to have the amazing operators who are just always going to outperform. You're going to have those mid-level operators who are doing what they do and they're doing exactly what the model should present. And then for Crunch, that's about 6,500 members and about 500,000 in EBITDA a year. So it's a, it's a good number, right? Mid-level. Obviously, we have some that do much better. Uh, and then you're going to have some that are lower than that. But that usually comes down to execution. Sometimes it's site selection. Sometimes a massive competitor popped up next to you. But it generally comes down to execution, failure to market, failure to uh, train your staff, failure to create that good culture within the, within the gym, high turnover, those types of things. Um, so the systems, I think, for crunch are at a, I don't want to say significantly, but definitely a higher level than I think some of our competing subset franchises uh, in the industry. And, and it's something we work very hard to do. And I think our franchisees recognize that and uh, appreciate it. Very good. I want to uh, shift, shift gears just a little bit, and then we'll come back um, to more specifics on the crunch. You have a very uh, long history of sales success, um, what I would call sales success. And I know that you also authored um, um, a successful book on sales management called Golden Circle Secrets. I would like to know, since sales is such an important driver for all business, but ours in particular, especially now, um, if you could talk, just give us some insights as to maybe some, um, what you've experienced in terms of sales success, um, systematic sales success. What are the, what are the key things that our operators need to consider? or some of the key takeaways from your book? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. And you're making me look way back kind of to my younger years. You know, I'm not I'm not really a day-to-day -day salesperson now, though I'm involved in franchise selling. But back in the membership sales day, I remember I actually, after I won the salesperson of the year, I got interviewed by Casey Conrad, who's, who's an industry consultant. She's still out there. And she was pressing me. She was saying, well, what is your, what is your system? How did you do that? And I honestly, and it's really funny to pull this memory out, Rico, is that I, I told her I don't have a system. There is no sales system, I said. I said, it's how you treat people, how you get to know people. And I remember telling her to this day, what I would practice doing when I was a salesperson in the clubs is we had sort of a like a mezzanine and you could look down the gym, is I would walk to the mezzanine and I would practice naming every single person in the club. If I didn't know who was in the, who one or two people were, I would go ask a trainer. Who's that over there working out? Or I'd ask the front desk person, or I'd ask, you know, somebody over here. I'd go down and introduce myself to them. And then my whole thing was always saying hello and goodbye by name every single time. And there's always that group of members that would never acknowledge you, the grumpy member or the person who's just too busy. But what would happen is I just say hello and goodbye every single time, knowing full well they're not going to say it back. And then there's going to come one day that you test it. You say, you know what, I'm not going to say hi today. And sure enough, what does that person do? As soon as they start walking by, they kind of look over their shoulder. Because even though they're not going to give you the time to say hello back, they're waiting for it. They want to hear it. And, and, and then they look back and then you're like, I got you. 
I, I knew you liked that. I knew you appreciated that. And then sure enough, the next time you say it, they say hello back. Um, but that that was one of the big things. And the second big thing in the health club is if you really watch your members, not in a creepy way, right? But you really watch your members, you'll see they all have social circles, right? These people work out with these people or these people just come in and do spin class or what have you. So as a salesperson, if you really want to be effective at the referral business, you need to become the go-to person within the club. You know, not because you're on the up system or you're the guy or the girl who gets all the sales calls, but because you're the person that people want to deal with. So you got to get involved in those social circles. So if I see you always talking to the same group of people, if I know one or two people in your network, then, you know, one way or another, we're going to come across each other's paths and so on and so forth. And then uh, you just want to spend a lot of time in the club just talking to people. And then, you know, offer to give first. Can I help you with this or that? Maybe I give you a training session or maybe I'll, I'll show you some tips. I don't have as many tips as I used to when I was younger for people in the gyms now. But and then you say, hey, how about a guest pass for your friend? If you ever want to bring him in, just, you know, if you don't mind, just have a mask for me. That'd be really helpful. Um, but I'll tell you, sales is the key to everything in our industry, right? Without sales, without revenue, nothing else works, right? So you've got to get sales right before you can work on attrition or you can work on your PT numbers or your, you know, retention or whatever those numbers are, ancillary sales. But, uh, I've always found if you just do it in a genuine fashion, uh, all the time, then that really helps perpetuate long-term relationships, which is the key to long-term success. And then, you know, repeat business. So. That's the general gist of it. Is there is there uh, just one more sales question? Is there um, something that um, is I don't know. I guess I'm asking, what's the most common mistake or sales error that um, you have seen or that we as an industry make? Oh God, I can give you twenty. But I mean, the, the most common one is coming across as a typical salesperson. Yeah. Right? And I don't, I don't want to be knocking the profession because I consider myself at heart a salesperson, right? I never graduated from college. I went to college. I never got out. I was terrible at that. When it came to business, you know, I taught, I, I learned through experience. I'm just one of those, those guys, right? Um, I'd read the Wall Street Journal when I was younger and I didn't understand what was going on in the articles, but I still read it every day to this time. And then, you know, you learn this aspect of the business or this aspect or this aspect, but you know, I'm a salesperson at heart, but at the end of the day, someone can instantly tell when they're trying to be sold. You know, I remember back in the old days of Tom Hopkins or, you know, whatever those different sales techniques were and these trial closes and, you know, alternative choice and all these different opportunities you have to, to get someone's buying signals down. Uh, you know, you're a lot better off just being real, explaining the benefits of this and that, getting to know the person, finding out what works or doesn't work for them and making the appropriate recommendation, right? But you do have to ask for the sale. Even doing it that way, you still have to ask for the sale. So just get over that hump. And if you can be genuine with people, you're gonna do just fine. Crunch serves a fitness community for all kinds of people with all types of goals, exercising all different ways, working it out at the same place together. The gym is renowned for creating one-of-a-kind group fitness classes and unique programming for its wildly diverse members. For more information, visit crunch.com backslash franchise. All of us have come through um, something, you know, kind of a once-in-generation type event that we hope to never have to experience again with COVID and we're still in it, but we're coming out of it. Um, so it's been unprecedented. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you all actually increased members during COVID. So I'm sure you have a lot of lessons that you can share, um, probably more than we had time for on this podcast, but if you could maybe 
give two or three lessons that you've learned or that Crunch has learned? Because obviously you you all have done a lot right um, to increase your members during this time. What could you share? Yeah, sure. I think like every other company, I remember the I remember the moment we got the first call that someone with COVID showed up in our clubs, right? That was March 12th. And we were having a franchise advisory meeting and we were just discussing, well, what if somebody comes into your club with COVID? What are the protocols to follow? And sure enough, we got a call to one of the operators in the meeting at that point. And then from that point, myself and my partner, Craig, uh, we were up till midnight after a series of calls with Jim and the whole team trying to work on our uh, COVID exposure matrix. What happens if you come in direct contact with someone with COVID, first level of separation, second level of separation, member, staff. I mean, we had it all dialed out to get that out to the clubs. We were trying to come up with marketing materials to get to the clubs in case that happened. And then by, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, we had that dial that we sent that information out first thing in the morning, the next morning to the clubs, right? So we tried to stay ahead of it. But in your mind, you don't know if you're behind or ahead when something like this happens, right? In terms of information flow. And then a day and a half after that, everything shuts down. We were worried about, can we even fly home? Because we weren't sure what was gonna happen with flights. So, and then the day after that, that was the 15th and 16th, the rest of the clubs were shut down. I think everything was shut down by the 17th or 18th. And then that brings you into a whole different phase, member billing, customer communication, franchisee communication, uh, you know, cleanliness, preparedness, safety, it goes in, it goes on and on and on. So as that started to happen, instead of just getting marketing materials out in COVID matrix, then we had to come up with all the member policies and the credit policies. And, you know, it's fairly complex when you have millions of members, right? You've got to do it all right. And franchisees operating in 35 states and six countries. So we had to kind of coordinate quickly for all these different scenarios and what the severity of the issue was there. Um, And then, you know, we ended up really rallying around the franchisees. The franchisees did an amazing job uh, with the material we gave them and acting on their own, right, responsibly. Uh, Everybody did the right thing, shutting off the billing. Uh, We created a 40-page readiness plan. Uh, That project was led by Jim Rowley. I mean, but tremendous work from Craig and Mike and, I mean, just so many people in the company to contribute to that aspect of the plan. And uh, it covered everything that you could need to know, right? And then... um, we got it out to them. They did great in the shutdown and the reopening process. And I remember in the beginning when we opened first in Georgia, uh, you know, you had news stations that were almost trying to pinpoint you as irresponsible, that you'd even consider reopening, right? But as a business, you, you have to reopen when you're allowed to reopen. You have to do it responsibly and carefully. But, you know, we, we stepped into that, I think, very, um, very carefully right? We, we videoed all the processes that you're supposed to follow in the gym. And uh, we spread that to all the other clubs around the country. Some places you have to do temperature checks, right? We had touchless check-in. You had all the decals on the floor, the directional signage. You have to shut down equipment and move equipment. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But I think because of that, and again, not knowing if we were ahead of the curve or behind the curve, uh, we got a lot of, you know, respect and uh, support from our members. And because of that, they stayed with us. And additionally, we rolled out Crunch Live, which was a premium member benefit, the digital services, which everybody jumped to, at a certain membership level, we rolled it out to everyone. And that went up to about 100,000 plus workouts a day. 
So as we started to reopen, obviously that number would start to come down, but because of that, we only lost 2% of our existing members during the shutdown, which we thought for sure was gonna be 20, 25%. Those members are all back now, but as the clubs reopened, they sold so many memberships because people had been cooped up that we actually ended up increasing our membership from March of 2020 to January of 2021 by 5.6% as a network. And I don't know of any other companies that did that, um, so, look, we know there's a bit of luck in that, but we also like to feel there's a bit of, you know, uh, good execution and franchisee participation and member support that got us through that. And, uh, you know, like I said, it surprised us that we ended up there, but we're taking that momentum now and bringing it forward to, uh, the you know, next phase of what Crunch does in the future. Yeah, that's incredible. Did, did you, um, I'm curious as to what percentage of your member base is, is maybe hard? I mean, I have the exact number, but um, you, I guess for an extended amount of time, was on freeze. How, how you how you sort of rolled and transitioned um, that as you, because there's a lot of moving parts, right? So how did you, how did you how did you do that? Yeah, well, I mean, member freezes were obviously um, an option, right? If someone didn't feel comfortable, you wanted to provide them the option to freeze. Uh, in the franchise network, I'd say at that time, we probably had 1.6, 1.7 million members. We had, we had less than 2% of the members that opted for a freeze wow. and it dropped down to below 1% pretty quickly. Uh, so again, some of these numbers for us, you know, I'm sure there's operators out there who will say, well, that's just ridiculous. That didn't really happen. That happened, uh, surprised us too. But, you know, when you talk to people at crunch, we've, We've been in the industry for many, many years, right? So we've seen a lot of different uh, things happen, never anything like this, but uh, the numbers are real. And we, we were a bit taken taken aback by it as well, but uh, we're, we're thrilled our members stuck with us and our franchisees did such a good job. And uh, I think it's a sign of good things to come. The industry's coming back and, and I think it's gonna come back strong all over the place. Yeah, that's really good. Um, there's so much in that I'm trying to, you know, maybe pull it down to one thing and it's not really one thing. I mean, maybe, I don't know if you would say it's it's the culture that you all have built. I mean, it's like you've got great people, you got great systems. It's the culture um, within the management team and the franchising you you built. There's a lot there. Um, so I don't know if you want to comment on what I just said. I'll give you that. Well, but you nailed it. That's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. It's if you, all those things have to work. And when you're in it, like I said, you don't know if you've got everything, all your eyes out and your T's crossed. You're just trying to do the best you can, right? So there's also a little bit of luck in there. But, you know, we, we have had emergency preparedness plans for, you know, disaster in the uh, earthquake or uh, something else that happens or a serious medical emergency in the club or the protocols. Uh, so, you know, part of that helped bleed over into this. But again, th th you can't compare the two. You know what I mean? Uh, so luckily, uh, the work we've done over the past as a, as a broader ecosystem, certainly not trying to take all this credit as a management team, that would be wrong. Uh, you know, it ended up working, right? And then you, you still have to do the look back, the after action review and see, you know, what could have been done better, right? And then you try to keep those practices in place and document so you're ready for hopefully what never happens again, but you're, you're prepared if it does. Ben, if there was one thing you would want our listeners to know about Crunch, and maybe, um, you know, because like I mentioned, we've got operators who are going to be listening to this, a lot of which are, you know, looking at franchisee opportunities, maybe answer it from that from that perspective or that lens. 
there's one thing you'd want them to know about crunch that maybe they don't know or maybe is a misperception um you know you can't know what other people are thinking necessarily but um if you if you would like to communicate maybe one thing that is sort of not known um about you guys what would that be not known about us hmm, that's an interesting question i've never been given that question <laughs> um well i mean obviously everyone knows the brand you're a great company but if there was one thing maybe that is um not as well known maybe that's maybe that's a better way to ask it about yeah it's hard it's hard to narrow that down but um Gosh, man, I've never been stumped. I think you got me on that one. What, you know, I mean, I think maybe what people don't know is how often we change things. You know, I mean, you get your business model and you know it works. But uh, one thing you know in the industry is that, you know, every two years or so, the consumer trends are just different, right? Uh, so we are constantly trying to modify what we're doing and, you know, putting something new in the club. You know, as I say it, it's nothing different than any you know, uh, effectively running business does. You have to stay ahead of consumer trends, but we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to make sure we're, you know, looking around corners before we get there and, and testing things and doing it before the competition. So, uh, you know, hopefully we're doing a good enough job with that, but that that's all I got for you. No, that's good. That's good. So what are the future plans for the company? Maybe a short term, you know, next, I don't know, 18 to 24 months and then longer term, um, what are, what, are, what are the plans for the company? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, part of what we're doing is really defining the long-term segments of the market we want to grow into. Uh, obviously, our future is as a franchise company, right? Uh, we've got very fast growth. We're going to be focusing on trying to accelerate that growth. Uh, it'd be nice to get up to 100, 150 clubs a year. Uh, that'd be a nice pace. Uh, we're already international. We want to expend, uh, extend uh, our footprint much further internationally. That's really um, a matter of what's, you know, what's the right product to go into each of these countries with and the right partners. One thing we've learned for sure is having the right partners really helps execution, right? You've got language barriers, you've got different, you know, uh, permitting and code requirements and logistics that have to be considered. So uh currency you know rules right some countries you can't even do automatic billing so uh international is going to be very big for us and um you know we really want to make sure crunch is a household name synonymous with fitness right the brand's starting to get a lot more recognition but i think we are one of the brands that has the ability to uh you know break out a bit and get this um brand uh brand exposure that uh, goes well beyond the, the brick and mortar footprint very good. Um, if one of our listeners, I'm sure we've got several, are interested in, I guess, maybe the franchise opportunity specifically, what's the best way for them to contact Crunch? Who should they? Uh, the best way is the uh, is the website. Just go on to the uh, the Crunch website and click in uh, Own Crunch, and then you drop your information in there, and then John Marion, our director of sales, is going to reach out to you probably in the same day, and then uh, we'll we'll just answer any questions you have. Like I said, our sales approach here is just it's about information. It's about you know letting you talk to other people, uh, hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Make your decision for yourself. Obviously, we're, we're gonna we're gonna feel pretty good that you're gonna hear a lot more good than the bad or the ugly. And then uh, if it turns out to be a sensible match for you, then we'd love to have you in the system. 
Very good. Ben, thanks for joining me on the Club Solutions podcast. It was great getting to spend time with you and getting to learn more about Crunch and how you can help our listeners. I wish you guys uh, continued success in the future. Thank you very much for having us. You guys run a great operation. Thank you. Thank you.